0: Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that
1: you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. everybody it is fantastic to have you all here on Mother's Day and I just want to say as well as the others who have said it just a really big happy Mother's Day to all our mums out there to all our grandmas our aunties and all those incredible um, role models out there you guys are absolutely amazing beautiful stunning people and we just hope you have the best day today and feel really blessed and know how treasured you are. This morning, we are in week two of our series of Full House. And who was here for last week's message? Just put your hand up. Amazing. Fantastic. If you haven't heard that, then um, listen to the podcast. So we're into week two. And I just want to start by reading you a story. This takes place in America. One day, this is a, um, a young guy writing this. One day when I was a freshman in high school, I saw a kid from my class was walking home from school his name was Kyle. It looked like he was carrying all of his books and I thought to myself, why would anyone bring home all their books on a Friday? He must really be a nerd. I'd quite a weekend planned parties, a football game with my friends, so I shrugged my shoulders and just went on. But as I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running towards him. They ran at him, knocking all his books out of his arms, tripping him up so that he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying and I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet from him. He looked up and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. I jogged over to him and as he crawled around looking for his glasses, I saw a tear in his eye. I handed him his glasses and I said, those guys are jerks. They really should get lives. He looked at me and said, hey, thanks. There was a big smile on his face. It was one of those smiles that showed real gratitude helped him pick up his books and asked him where he lived as it turned out he lived near me. So we talked all the way home. I carried some of his books and he turned out to be a pretty cool kid. I asked him if he wanted to play a little football with my friends. He said yes and we hung out all weekend. The more I got to know him, the more I liked him. Over the next four years, Kyle and I became best friends. When we were seniors, we began to think about college we were going to different colleges, but I knew that would, that would always be friends and that the miles would never be a problem. Kyle was valedictorian of our class. He had to prepare a speech for graduation. Graduation day, I saw him. He looked great. He was one of those guys that had really found himself during high school. I could see that he was nervous about his speech, so I smacked him on the back and said, Hey, big guy, you'll be great. He looked at me with one of those looks, the really grateful one, and smiled, and thanks, he said. As he started his speech, he cleared his throat and began. Graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I'm here to tell all of you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. I'm going to tell you a story. I just looked at my friend with disbelief as he told the story of the first day we met. He'd planned to kill himself over the weekend. He talked of how he had cleaned out his locker so his mum wouldn't have to do it later and was carrying all his stuff home. He looked hard at me and gave me a little smile. Thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard the gasp go through the crowd as this handsome, popular boy told us all about his weakest moment. I saw his mum and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize its depth. Never underestimate the power of your actions. With one small gesture, you can change a person's life. God puts us all in each other's lives to impact one another in some way. Look for God and others. Could probably end the message right there, couldn't we? Amazing story. We have a vision for this church of seeing 10,000 people impacted by the love of Jesus. 10,000 people knowing the goodness, the bigness, the love, and the kindness of God. That is what is on our hearts. But that is a dream that isn't possible with God. It's a big dream. But do you know what? It only starts with one small thing. It starts with loving one, with loving another person. It might be just loving our family. It might be loving our friends. It might be loving our colleagues, loving that person that God has put in front of us. A big vision always starts with one small step, one small step towards somebody. Mother Teresa um, said this, the best way to promote world peace is to go home and love your family love our families, love our friends, love our communities, treasure those connections, not just tolerate them, which sometimes we can kind of do in families, but treasure them. You know, we are positioned as new creations in Christ Jesus to see our families, our businesses, our communities impacted with His love, to see them transformed, to see them thriving as well. And Jesus is not calling us to just settle with okay, like, this bit of connection, this amount of relationship is okay. He's calling us into abundant life and abundant connection. Jesus said um, that he came to bring life, but not just life. He came to bring abundant life. And that's where we're going. Some of you in this place today are actually rewriting your family stories. You may not know what it is to have um, parents who have really loved you and cared for you like they should have. Um, and You may come from a line of just broken brokenness through your family, but today you are here. You are rewriting your legacy. You are rewriting the story, not only for yourself, but for all the generations to come after you. And Glenn had an amazing story um, to do with generational legacy in his message last week, so listen to that. Will this be easy? Absolutely not. This is going to take hard work. This is going to take some tears. This is going to take tough conversations. It's going to take um, like just intentionality on our part to get into people's worlds. But will it be worth it? Will this level of connection and love be worth it? Absolutely. Totally. You know, God never promised that life would be easy, but he did promise that he will never leave us. So this message today is called Treasuring Connections. So at the end of this message too, we're going to stand together and agree um, for God's hope in family situations. And if you're just really needing to see some breakthrough in your family, we're going to pray into that. Um, In two weeks as well, we're going to talk about healing the wounds from our past, the healings that have come um, often through when, when we're little children and the experiences that we have then. And I really encourage you to be here for that. Heaven's atmosphere belongs in our relationships. It doesn't just belong in heaven. It doesn't just belong in church. It belongs in our relationships. And we are called to build powerful, resilient families, friendships, and communities that reflect who Jesus is. And who he's called us to be. You know, it's up to us to set the climate for these connections in our lives. We can't rely on the other person to do that. And sometimes we won't even see what we want to see back from them. But it's up to us to be the ones to set the climate for those connections. And to fight for them.
0: Come on. Good word, babe. Um, I just want to make this uh, legal. And we're going to go to Samuel. uh, The book of Samuel. 1 Samuel 3. Uh, chapter nineteen here, and uh, this is a cool piece of scripture. It says the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba recognised that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. I just want to bring three nuggets out of this uh, little verse of scripture here. It says that the Lord was with him as he grew this is This is uh Samuel honoring his divine connection to God. It says none of his words fell to the ground. This is honoring people with what came out of his mouth, with what his words said, with what he said about people. Uh, and then thirdly, everyone recognized Samuel as a prophet, and this was interesting because Samuel here he is honoring the divine connection that that he had in place between heaven and earth samuel could take something that god was saying and then translate it and bring it into into the reality of the world. And he was recognized as a prophet. That's what a prophet does. They're seeing beyond the natural. So Samuel was doing these things. He was honoring his divine connection with God. He was honoring people with his words. And he was honoring his position to bring heaven to earth. And, and we've, got, um, we've got such powerful opportunities, I believe, as men and women of God. And these, these happen as we honor The divine connections that God has placed in the world around us. So, just want to look at Samuel um, this morning. Who was Samuel, and what were were his connections? So, Samuel, if you didn't know, he lived about a thousand years before Christ, and he was the uh, only child to Hannah, and she was previously a barren woman, and and but. Uh, Hannah ended up giving Samuel over to the chief priest Eli because of a vow that she had made with God, that, um, that if God would give her a son or a child, that she would give him to the Lord and dedicate him at the temple. And so at this time in Israel's history, the priesthood is actually in decline. It's in a state of decline, and Eli's sons are disobeying God's words, and so God declares that he will choose like a new priest for Israel and and outside of uh, Eli's family, and he begins delivering these divine messages to Samuel, even as a young man, and and then Samuel goes on to become recognized as as a prophet, and it says in 1 Samuel 3, 1, that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, So, in the natural, this scripture tells us that Samuel uh, served and assisted Eli, but the Bible's saying that Samuel served the Lord under Eli. And so, let's just bring this into our reality uh, at the moment, because we we might think that we're just connected to people, uh, to personalities, or to positions. But I just want to remind us this morning that wherever we are located in life, whether it's our church, our families, our business, our community, as we honor those connections that surround us, and as we look at the people through the lens of God's heart, through the lens of his kingdom, through the lens of dignity, through the lens of royalty, we we realize that we aren't actually just serving everyone and being connected with just people for the sake of it, because that's where we ended up being born on the planet, but actually we're in this position to honor our divine connection with God through the relationships, through the people that are in our lives. And it's an amazing story because the Bible just shows us through Samuel that as he honored Eli, as he honored this divine connection, that God would raise him up to be a prophet and a revivalist in his nation. And the favor that actually flowed through Samuel's life was apparent, I believe, because he stayed well positioned, serving the connection that God had placed him into at that time. says, when Samuel preached, the nation repented and cast down their idols. He was a catalyst for revival. Isn't that awesome? And God, I believe that God has got every single one of us positioned in our families, in our workplaces, in our community to be a catalyst for revival. Not just to pass through, not just to bump alongside each other, to rub people up the wrong way just to kind of like, well, you know, morning, dear. You know, just like same old, same old, same old, same stuff, different day. But God actually has given us the grace and the truth, the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus to redefine what normal family life looks like, to redefine what normal work life looks like, to, to redefine what being a student looks like. He's given us this incredible ability to be able to do this, that the people around us are God setups. You know, the family that we're in is a God setup. Samuel, as a child, was brought into this family that was actually, it wasn't perfect, but he was brought into this family, and he never looked beyond that as being a God setup. Like, this is my place of destiny. And I believe there's so many people in life, so many young people with the potential of Samuel, and they have big dreams, but they have no idea how to honor their divine connections. And that's not just young people. That's just us. That's like, man, I have bad days when I'm not honoring the divine connections around me. But, you know, we've got to, I think one of the first things we've got to realize that Our divine connections probably don't look very divine. Maybe just turn to your neighbor. Check them out. (laughs) Right there. That's a divine connection. That human being sitting next to you, they are chosen. They're a royal priesthood. They've got a royal identity. They are connected with heaven's flow. And these people may not look very divine. They may not, you know, respond very divinely, but the most unlikely relationships can have the most dynamic impact. You think of Kermit and Miss Piggy. That's, doesn't get it any better than that. Kermit on a bike with those legs. <laughs> I love you, Kermit. You think though, when you look at the Bible, when you uh, you think of the things that just, don't you know, they just happened, when the spies were sent into. Jericho, who looked after these guys? It was a prostitute, Rahab. They saw something in her. She saw something. Then her whole family was saved out of this destruction. And then she becomes connected into the line of Jesus Christ. Whoa, what a turnaround. What a turnaround because of a divine... Connection. Jesus is walking with a crowd one day. He sees someone in a tree. He looks up, invites himself over to this guy's lunch, uh, to this guy's house for lunch. And this guy's name Zacchaeus, and he's he's saved. He turns his life around, gives what he was, you know, everything he'd stolen back, and his family line was changed. Forever, because Jesus saw an opportunity. He saw someone that didn't look very divine, but said, there's a, there's a moment there. There's a God opportunity there on your life. Samuel, he could see, I believe, all the dirt on Eli's life. He was far from a perfect father figure. The Bible says he didn't discipline himself, that he was obese, and he didn't discipline his sons. And they defiled the temple. But news flash, you know, the people around us are not going to be perfect. They're not going to always look like the divine, sovereign move of God that brought this child into your family or to this person into your life. And you may have, you know, you, as a child here, you may have parents, as Deb said, you know, that aren't following the Lord or just people that frustrate you in your own family. Maybe your children are just like, oh my gosh, how do I do this life with you? How do I? <laughs> how do i stay in my lane as someone who will bring honor into your world because honor is actually a reflex of royalty that's what it is this honoring our divine connections is it's not so much about us being influenced around by the world around us but it's actually allowing the king to to put the fingerprint his fingerprint of honor and royalty on our Lies, honor I'll treasure our connection by speaking well of you, and I'll not disclose your faults to others. I love that we saying that it says, The truth that's told with bad intent is worse than all the lies that you can invent. And whether that's fully true or not, but you know, when we uncover people, like Samuel had an opportunity to just, you know, just uncover. Eli and his family, but there's actually no record in the Bible of Samuel speaking badly at all about Eli's family. And I believe it's this is um, this is a it's an opportunity. People in our worlds are everyone is an opportunity to steward something well, someone well. Stewardship's a funny word in this context, but God's actually looking at our lives and going, "Can I entrust you with more?" Because of how you look after the people that you currently have in your world, and He trains us. God trains us in this place where maybe it feels like, man, just humble pie has been served to me every day. It's all I'm eating here. I'm just I'm frustrated, and it's just a tough place. But I want to tell you today that that will be rewarded. The way that you honor people with your life will be rewarded through the fruit that will flow through your lives. And honoring people doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that comes out of their mouths or liking everything that they do. And it doesn't even mean to say that you have to fully trust them with your heart. But honoring, connect, honoring people says, I will I will treat you as royalty, regardless of how you treat me. I will look to you through the eyes of Jesus. So I just want to finish up with asking you this Who are your divine connections? And how do I honor those relationships? Specifically, who is your Eli, even? Who are the who's the Eli's, or or if you feel like you're an Eli, man, I've gone past that age of being a Samuel. Who is your Samuel? And maybe it's just a case of starting with those who are closest to you, who are in your world, and just viewing the familiar people around us through the lens of dignity, through the lens of the kingdom. Don't ignore your divine connections. Because ultimately, we're going to be the ones that are missing out. You're going to be the one that's missing out because of the the way that we treasure those relationships around us.
1: Amen? Amen. Thanks, Debbie. So how can we be intentional in investing into these connections? Maybe these divine connections like Glenn's talked about that don't always look that pretty. Or maybe these are into really healthy connections. How do we do that? So to treasure these, we do need to be intentional in our investment into them. You know, when we love something, we intentionally spend our time, our money, our emotional energy on that. And I was just thinking back the other day on when Glenn and I were dating um, and he was at Bible college for a while. Um, this was, this is going to sound like a long time ago, I hesitate to say this, but this was before the days of cell phones. Wow. Whoa, can you even remember back that far? Yeah, actually, yeah, there probably were cell phones, but they were like so big that you just didn't really carry them around. Um, this was before the days of email as well, yeah. Yeah. We weren't emailing. Well, no, maybe there was emails, just work-related ones. Uh, oh, I don't know, actually. I don't think there were. Anyway, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was back in the 70s. <laughs> Not... We're not that old, come on. Anyway, we would have this one opportunity per week where we could actually talk to each other or communicate um, other than like, you know, snail pace of letters and stuff. So this was on a Saturday night We would get this time and mum and dad were so gracious at letting me spend this long on the phone. But unfortunately, we had a phone plan so that I didn't, I think we worked it out once. It would have been like thousands of dollars we would have spent. Anyway, we, had, we usually spent five hours, eh? Five hours on the phone on a Saturday night talking about, s- about stuff connection. and about nothing. And, you know, it was just funny. And I wrote letters, very long letters, eh? And I would bake cookies for him and post them up she to She actually him.
0: made me this cookie once, like a love heart cookie in an A4 envelope, wasn't it? Oh, I did
1: pet it, it, was it out massive. with stuff to it, package. When it arrived,
0: it was, um, it was more like a crumble cookie. But it was still tasted good.
1: Yep. <laughs> Anyway, good so we, yeah, all of that kind of thing. <laughs> Lots of other gifts too. But you see, we were in, in very intentional in spending, well, I was intentional, I think he was too, in spending our time and our effort on each other because we loved each other. We still do love each other too. Um, One way that we can be intentional though in just really investing, I'm just going to talk a little bit more to families, friendships at the moment. Um, One way we can really invest into them is just through the routine, through the traditions and the rhythms of life. Um, You know, kids love routines. They love predictability. They love consistency. It centers them. I think actually it's probably the same if we're really honest for us as adults too. We love um, the consistency that just centers us. So invent some family traditions. Or do this with your friends. Invent some traditions. So as a family, for us, a little one that we do, almost every night we eat dinner together at the table. No cell phones allowed. We do have cell phones in our house, but we don't allow them at the dinner table. Um, But something that we do is we share our highlights. Um, So we all go around and share the highlight of the day. Um, And if for whatever reason we forget this, Josiah is sure to remind us he's the best at this. Um, So we just share something that's happened during the day. Sometimes it might be something funny, um, but yeah, just sharing together. When I go away, usually without um, fail, Glenn will cook sausages either outside on the brazier at home, or he'll take the kids down to the river, do a bonfire, and cook sausages over the bonfire. And for about a year after the first couple of times this happened, every night, Josiah's grace would be, thank you, God, that we can go to the forest and eat sausages. So, you know, tradition had a powerful impact on his life. (laughs) Um, You know, these are the things that we remember, though, and they just help us to really connect into our family to kind of cement those relationships. For me, as a kid, I remember family nights on a Friday night. Um, Sometimes there would be game nights. Often there would be, like, movies. There always used to be good family movies on a Friday night. And usually, without fail, we would have a bag of Orion potato chips. I don't know if they're even still around, but they were great. Who remembers Orions? Yeah, the big, thick, crunchy chips. Anyway, all of these things help us to create connection. Each time we do these routines, we do these traditions, that value of consistency is just strengthening um, those connections and building our security further. Um, just a practical thing that we can do as well, just in being intentional in these investments, is just looking at the five love languages. Who's here of the five love languages? Most people? Okay, for those of you who haven't, just in a nutshell... Um, there are five love languages that have been identified as in five ways that we give and receive love. So one is quality time. One is words of affirmation. That's like positive words. One is acts of service, doing kind things for each other. Um, One is physical touch, so like hugs and just being close. And the other one is gifts. Um, So for all of us, these things will have varying levels of importance and we kind of need all of them really. But there'll usually be one or two that if that happens for you, that will make you feel absolutely loved and treasured. So just really encourage you, if you don't know what your love languages are, then investigate this. We actually I think we have some copies of the book um, in the library or you can go online as well. So just a wee example um, from work, as a staff we just like to celebrate each other's birthdays. So um, on our work system that we have on our computers we have a list of everybody's birthdays and about two or three weeks ago as a staff we just sat down and talked about what our love languages were. So next to everyone's birthday we have written what their top couple of love languages are and also next to that what their favourite food treats are. So Tuesday, just for those of you who don't know, it was my mum's birthday last Saturday. Happy birthday. So Tuesday at staff, we celebrated here. So um, her top love language is, or one of her top love languages is words of affirmation. So we got a nice card and we all wrote um, just meaningful, heartfelt words to here and there. And we got her favourite chocolate, which is dark, dark, dark chocolate. Just letting you all know, if you ever want to, you know, bless here. Um, so yeah, so we did that because we wanted her to feel valued and loved, and we do that as a staff because we want each of our staff to know how important and special they are, but we want them to know it in the way that they're going to receive it best. In our family this week, we decided that we needed to be a bit more intentional in just showing kindness to each other, just practicing it a little bit, because we all need to practice that sort of thing from time to time. So our family this week, we'd talked a little bit about love languages before with our children, and Glenn and I had a pretty good idea what our kids' top love languages were. But to engage them in the process, we decided to do the questionnaire online with them. So they went through, answered all these questions, and I think we got everybody's top ones right, didn't we? So that was good. But we did that with our children, and then we got everyone to write their name on a piece of paper, put it into a jar, and then we all pulled out somebody's name out of the jar. So this week, it has been up to each one of us to be intentional to show kindness to that person's name, um, to the person who was written on the piece of paper, and particularly in ways um, using their top love languages. So a little one, um, I'm not going to mention names, but one of our children is incredible with their creativity and the detail that they put into things, and they had pulled out the name of one of our other daughters, and um, that daughter loves quality time. So this first incredibly beautiful creative child just set up the most um, lovely setup in her roommate with, like, made this tent kind of structure, put all these blankets on the floor, candles, uh, all looking beautiful. And then they got Glenn to go and buy um, our child's, the one that was being done for their favourite food, which is hot chips, and then they watched a movie together, Quality Time, Favourite food, beautiful setting um, all together. So that's just one little example of how you can do that. Um, and I, that's, that, that, that was a highlight of the week. We had lots of other moments through the week. That was a real highlight. Um, so yeah, know your love language and the love languages of those closest to you. Love them in the way that they're going to receive it best. And be intentional in the way that you are investing into those around you. That's the way that we can treasure people. One more practical point on on how we can treasure our connection is by minding our language. Um, Glenn just talked about it briefly before with Eli and Samuel and the way that Samuel did not uncover Eli. He guarded his words. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, when we see people in the light of Christ, when we see people through his eyes, then our speech is different. We change the way that we talk about others, that we talk to them. Treasuring our connection means guarding our words. And the saying that we often use in our house is inevitably with five children, there are many times that conflict can happen. So the saying goes, is it necessary? Is it true? And is it kind? So when somebody might want to come and report on somebody else, we will often say, is it necessary? Do you need to tell us that? Is it true? And is that actually a kind thing to say? So just really guarding the way we talk about each other. Isn't it incredible, though, how easily, and just show of hands here, who, rem, who tends to remember the negative things that are said to you more than the positive? Just put up your hand if that's, if that's you. For those of you who can remember the positive more than the negative, that is amazing. Because um, it's actually psychological and physiological reasons why we tend to remember the negative more than the positive. Research has also shown, this was new for me this week to learn this, that in the way that the brain processes criticism, that we remember much more after we've heard a disapproving remark than before. So, you know, you might have heard the sandwich technique before, like as in do a positive, then bring a correction, then more positive. Scrap that, you're way better to bring correction um, and then go in with a whole load of all the positive things you want to say to that person because they're also going to remember those positive things better. So a convo from this week with one of our children, they'd hurt a sibling and just been pretty hurtful with their words. It went something like this. First of all, we talked about what had happened and why their behavior wasn't acceptable and maybe what they could do next time. And then I said to this person, you are so much better than this. You are kind. You are generous. You are amazing. I love you. So something like that. So when we bring correction, we say the correction and then bring the positives in. So minding our language, treasuring our connection, it doesn't look like avoidance. It may require some vulnerability, and it does require going in there and having these conversations. But it will always honor the other person. It will always call cool them up. When I was baptized at about 12 years old, um, I received a couple of prophetic words at that time. And mum was amazing in writing that all out for me so that I had it on paper. And I would take those words, especially when stuff was a little bit hard over the next few years, and I would just read them over myself because those words were full of life. They were full of destiny and hope for my future. And that just meant so much to me over those next few years. So those words that are spoken over our lives that are are full of life are powerful and they can bring change around us. Our words do have the power to create. The Bible says that the um, power of life and death is in the tongue. So let's be people. Let's be parents. Let's be siblings. Let's be teachers and students and employers and employees who mind our language with other people, who use our words to declare promise out, to declare identity, to declare life, to declare hope into the people around us. And there's this really cool um, prayer Um, from David in Psalm 141 that I think we just need to really get hold of and to pray over ourselves probably most days, which is just, God, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips.
0: Can we just have the band? That would be awesome. Um, Wasn't that some awesome practical... Yeah, stuff like this is the, the rubber meets the road in our family life for the way that we view people and view relationships and connections um, but you know we don't do this alone we do this by the of, grace of God with the Holy Spirit we're just going to pray over that through, um, through a scripture for you because God is fighting with you to bring healing and at the same time The devil doesn't want you to connect. He fears the connection that you have with God. He fears the connection that you will have with other people. And it's his ultimate aim to cut us off from God, to bring disconnection. Disconnection from our heart, from hope, and from a flow of life and love and marriages and friendships. He wants to divide churches. He is all about isolating people. But Psalm 133 says this, that when brothers come together in unity, that He commands a blessing, that God commands a blessing. (coughs) When the disciples came together on the day of Pentecost, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I just wonder if you'd just stand with me right now. I just want to read Ezekiel 37. To you, and this is a scripture about the valley of the dry bones. And I just that word dry just really stuck out to me today around dry relationships and maybe dry connections. And God says, in this in verse 4, He said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. There's something that God wants to say over dry connections today. The sovereign Lord says to these bones, I'll make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you'll know that I am the Lord. Just before we do the next part, I just I believe that God wants to bring healing and restoration into divine connections today. Amen. He wants to bring maybe appointments that have been lost, courage that has been lost, friendships that have been lost. Jesus said, pray these courageous prayers like on earth as in heaven. And I know that one day. Everything, everyone, every frustration that we've had with people around us, when we see them again in heaven, it's going to be just like a flow of love. But I'm going to believe that we're going to not have to wait till heaven until that connection and heaven on earth can happen in those relationships around us, that we could have heaven again and new connections. So let me just pray over you today. Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now. We just partner with you and we receive your word over the dry places, over the broken bones, maybe, and the disconnected tendons and things like that, God, where the skin hasn't been covered, where there's been uncovering, God. Jesus, help us. We align our lives with your purpose to love the people around us, we align our lives with your purpose to love our families our friends, and our community. We thank you that you can see beyond today. We thank you that you can see, Lord, connections that you're forming in the future, Father. And we believe, we say yes by your grace. We say yes in the midst of our own brokenness. We say yes to these connections. Verse 7, it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath on them. And then he said, Prophesy to the breath. (laughs) Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says come, breath. From the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So that I, I prophesied and he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood on their feet a vast army. Jesus, we thank you for the breath of life. Well, we don't just take a hold of the restoration, Father. And just leave it there, God. But we thank you for your breath, for your wind, for your heart, for the flow of heaven, God, on our relationships, God. Lord, where there has been death, we just prophesy life. We prophesy life over new connections, Lord, over over the coming weeks, Father. And we give you thanks that you don't just see a small gathering. You don't just see a couple of people struggling somewhere. But you see a vast, mighty army. You have a great vision for restoration, for for renewal, and for the spirit of life to be breathed out on this community. And so we just declare healing. We declare healing over broken marriages, God. We declare healing, Father, over broken marriages. Relationships between fathers and sons and mothers and daughters, God. We declare healing on friendships in our community, Father. We just say no to divorce, God. And we just let there be restoration. Let there be great flows of resources coming into this community, Father, to see the fullness of everything that you are seeing. And we agree with that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Let's raise a hallelujah. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.